Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're going to talk about information and data and trading with data, but we're going to talk about company data and how you can do it efficiently. How can you get insight about other companies when you're prospecting, when you are preparing your salespeople to do a pitch, leveraging AI today. And I'm going to talk to my friend Martin, who is a co-founder of Biz Machine based in Prague, Czech Republic. Uh, he's an inside alumnus, even though we didn't overlap, I think. But I'm more curious now to find out what's going on with Biz Machine and what's going on with corporate data and AI. Welcome, Martin. How are you today? Hello, Rudy. I'm really well and so nice to be here. Wonderful. So, Martin, first question is always, tell us, how did you get to do what you do today? Because often it's not a linear path, right? Maybe you didn't know you're going to be trading with data. So what brought you to it? And as opposed to nothing wrong with that, but still staying as an employee or a consultant as you were. Um, yeah, thanks for the question. So let me give you a short answer because the story is typically longer. We launched Biz Machine seven years ago. And before that, I was a management consultant at McKinsey. And in my career, McKinsey, over about nine years, I had multiple projects for our clients that had to do with Salesforce effectiveness, improving sales processes, especially in the B2B sphere. And I, with my colleagues, we realized that in all of those projects, the common denominator was data, understanding the market, having good data to score leads, giving information service to the sales representatives so they can be more effective. Together with the two co-founders and my former colleagues at McKinsey, we launched Biz Machine six years ago. And the mission of Biz Machine is to collect data about companies and provide information service and sales intelligence to B2B sales teams. We started a bit as a data projects agency supporting with a lot of professional services. We had the first several clients, mostly met by reference and some former clients, and we built for them essentially custom lead generation engines. But over time, uh, we realized that these were typically large corporations and they could actually finance such a consulting project. And we wanted to democratize the data and to bring really cool insights about companies and support to sales teams to much smaller and mid-sized companies. So we started investing into the platform. And today we're not an agency anymore. We're more of a software as a service a platform company. The platform collects data interprets data and provides sales intelligence to B2B teams. 
So it's been a journey. I don't think six or seven years ago, we knew we would end up as a almost a pure play software company, but today we're here and more than 80% of our revenues is subscription revenues on a monthly basis. Brilliant. This is the way to do it. Generally, a lot of startups want to do it this way, but it's hard. It's hard not to be and remain a consultant and turn yourself into a product company, which sounds like what you have done, right? So... Congratulations, because that's a way to scale up, I would have thought. Yes, and we've been bootstrapped all along. So we actually turned all of the revenues we had from our clients at the beginning, and we invested 100% of that into the product, into the platform. I see. All right, so let's dive into it and let's be a bit more specific. So you said business information that's a problem. So why is it a problem versus the solutions and the processes we have today? And sometimes it could be a problem, but is it also worth solving? Are there enough people who suffer from this lack of solutions and they are willing and able to pay for it? Let's look at the context. You have thousands and thousands of salespeople who work in sales teams selling to other companies. And uh, we see that about 80% of business to business sales is actually local to local. What does it mean? It's a local sales team, let's say from Czech Republic or Switzerland selling to local companies in Czech Republic or Switzerland. And only about 20% or less Salesforce is looking at more of an international business. So let's take you as an example. When you look at fintech internationally, for you, a great source of potential leads or contacts would be LinkedIn, right? Because you don't really care if a person you want to speak to sits in Prague or New York or Zurich. Now, If you look at an insurance salesperson or a car salesperson or a banker for an SMB business or someone who sells solar roof panels for manufacturing facilities, like all of these industries are super local. And those teams need specialized deep information about the local business, about the companies, about the fit of potential prospects for them, as well as the need for them. We really focus on deep insights into particular industries that are good enough even for the local salesman in the local country. And we do it in a way that's scalable international. Let me give you an example. If you're selling solar roof panels, for example, it's not enough for you to know that a particular company maybe on LinkedIn has this many employees and they're manufacturing certain type of product. What you would like to know is, okay, how many facilities they have? Is there a new head of operations? Do they maybe have vehicles already registered? Do they maybe already have some solar roof panels because some of those could be registered in the trade department, etc. What kind of bank uh, do they have as a bank provider because some of the banks could be uh, loan providers, etc. And only by combining a lot of different sources of information can you say, this is a good qualified lead. I'm actually going to invest time and effort into approaching them and offering them my product and service. Another example would be in e-commerce. Many of our clients uh, target e-shops as customers. So that could be a, a payment provider or delivery service or even a bank or a technology company selling an e-commerce platform. And for them, it's super important to combine information about the e-shop as such. What's the traffic? What kind of products they have? They're selling, do they have an internal marketing department? Do they have an internal IT department? What is the revenue of the company? And maybe do they already have a payment provider or delivery provider based on information from their website? And when you put that all together, 
Only then can you really provide a good lead for a salesperson or sales team to approach them. That's what we specialize in, having deep information into particular industries. And maybe later we can talk about other industries as well for the local sales teams. What's very important in that aspect is that you have a full market view. You ask about what's the problem. The problem when you operate locally is that typically the market is somewhat limited. It's not 8 billion people, it's your local market. And you really want to have all stones unturned and you don't want to have any white spaces on the market. You really want to understand the full potential. And we focus on understanding the full market so that when you look at data from this machine, you can have high confidence that you're not missing anything. All right, so great examples. But if you take a step back and summarize it, so who are your key clients? Are we talking about individual proprietors or are we talking about small and medium enterprises? You said it's local to local, but how big are those clients and what type of industries you said also you're Mm -hmm. focusing on developing insight in, in some key industries? So what is your focus? So currently we have 250 paying customers as organizations. And they range across different sizes. So some of our largest customers would have around 250 to 300 users uh, accessing the data. So those could be banks, a telecom, or an insurance company. But we have also companies that have one or two persons using the data. So the size doesn't really matter. Of course, the use cases and the integration into their systems will be more heavy on the upper end but the platform can support any size of the sales team. But even in, if you have a large team that would still be considered local to local, think about a local bank in the SMB segment or insurance insuring passenger vehicles or car fleets, that's mostly local and they would use our data. In terms of what's really important is that most of our customers would have a quite active sales acquisition. So rather than just relying on existing relationships. They would be still looking for new business opportunities and hunting for new potential customers, whether it's really new acquisition customers or cross-sell, upsell to the base. So that's very important that there is a proactive element because then the data can be used in a really good way. In terms of industries, I mentioned banking, insurance, or anybody who sells into e-commerce. So that could be delivery providers, payment providers, technology companies that really want to understand the e-shop as such as a potential target. One of our very good sectors is automotive fleet sales. And why that is, we have more than 100 car dealers using our platform because we can provide them information about individual car fleets of pretty much any company in our market. Uh, you know, how all the cars are, what brands they are driving, uh, are they buying used or new, etc. And that's an excellent source of information to qualify leads. All right. But how do you differ from incumbents in this space? When I use something like this uh, in my company, we always liked Dun & Bradstreet. But this was obviously also because this was about international trade and exports and things like this. So You wanted a trusted resource. What about competition for you? How do you differ from them? Why should they go to business machine versus whatever they heard elsewhere? I think there are three distinct parameters where we really differ. Number one, if you take Dun & Bradstreet, their heritage is really in credit risk management or risk management, right? So anti-money laundering, do you give a loan, et cetera. So they are really good at that. What we focus on is really understanding the sales opportunity and the market potential. So we look at 
a company or a business location or an e-shop, we look at them from the sales potential perspective. So more like looking at opportunities. So what could you sell them? It's a very different question to asking, should I give them a loan or are they a trustworthy partner? That's why salespeople like to work with us. Even if the company, for example, has such a global data solution, the sales teams will very gladly use Biz Machine for identifying sales opportunities, etc. And we do that, that's the second distinction, we do that by combining very many different sources, even unstructured information. Types of sources would be scanning job posts from companies from which you'd be amazed how much information you can understand about a particular company by looking at what they write in their job posts about their strategy and technology they use and skills they're hiring and what kind of roles they have internally, etc. Another source is the website itself. How much traffic they have? Where is it coming from? We look at the keywords on the website. What is the company actually writing about themselves, about their products, services, plans, international expansions, etc.? We look at public contracts, tenders, subsidies. Very important source of information would be LinkedIn and contacts in general, especially to understand what kind of internal departments, skills, and capabilities a company would have. If you look at LinkedIn, you can see that, well, the company has 20 people in IT. So if I'm an IT salesman, that's immediately a good qualifying parameter. Or if I'm a marketing agency and they have an internal marketing department, then I know that they're probably spending in that area. Or the car fleet. And the third, uh, besides those many sources that we combine, the third distinct parameter is that we can use the platform to create even new custom segmentation and scoring models for our customers on the fly. So something that five years ago would have taken us three or four weeks to do because you had to write a statistical model to predict potential, some segmentation model based on many different sources. Today, we can have an analyst configure that in three hours and provide the data via API to our client. That's the element of customization at scale without increasing complexity. All right, sounds great. Now let's follow up on some of those things. Many people talk about leveraging big data these days, right? And one of the five V's of big data is veracity. So in other words, data quality. So you said you're using many data sources, etc. but there's also so much of the fake stuff on the internet. Anybody can write anything about themselves. So <laughs> what are your data sources in that sense? Or more importantly, how do you verify it? You have some official government sources like financial statements, whatever is registered. So do you account. rank them by trustworthiness or not? Yes, or yes, we do. Work? But we, the way we look at this, we first we have a rank of the source itself. But then in terms of information, if the information is repeated in multiple sources, then we give it a higher confidence score. Let me give you an example. If the statistical office says about the particular company that it's a retail business, then we don't trust it at face value. We look at, okay, what does the company write about themselves and do they have retail locations on Google places, et cetera, et cetera. And only then do we say, yes, we verify that that is really the type of business they are. So we cross check from multiple sources and sometimes information where we don't trust it much, we don't use it or we flag it as such. In, in the sales area, sometimes the information is good enough because it may inspire the salesperson but we like to flag it that maybe it's not highest confidence, but you might use it. The second quality check for us, a quality improvement mechanism is customer feedback. So we closely work with some key customers and they give us a lot of feedback on 
their conversion rates and what the salespeople said about the data, et cetera. And together we recalibrate some of those confidence scores and we recalibrate the quality of the sources. That's been a great mechanism from some of our customers because we don't only have one-way communication, like we giving data to our customers, but for some of them, we have a two-way communication where we know how the data worked, what happened with it. And when there's an issue, we can identify this diagnose and improve the system. I see. All right. So one more thing. Of course, this is a B2B company information. So I know people are sensitive about privacy these days. So the individual privacy concerns don't apply here, but confidentiality might, right? Can you stumble on something that is actually confidential? And if you were to use it, the owner of that information can come after you and say, look, uh, you use this, you put it in the report without my permission, I'll sue you. Or how do you make sure that all your information is available to use, right? Maybe it's from public sources or it doesn't require license, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that everything that's on the internet is free to use either, right? So how do you deal with those issues? Let me comment first on the GDPR. It does apply and it applies for two reasons. First, we also look at who works in those companies, like who's the owner, statutory representatives, and maybe roles on LinkedIn, et cetera. And second, some of the really interesting businesses could be individual proprietors that are successful. So the GDPR applies there. Sure, sure. Yeah. So GDPR does apply there. We have rules around that. Actually, we do GDPR because it's a common set of standards that allows for data to travel across Europe. You don't have to have a different set of standards everywhere. And we have legal advisors who tell us what's important to keep in mind when we build the product. And what's really important is that we the data is fresh. It doesn't get old, that we respect people's wishes. So let's say somebody publishes information about themselves, a phone number on a website. And when that phone number disappears on that website, which means the person decided that it shouldn't be public anymore, we need to delete it in our database. And we do that typically within 24 hours. The freshness of the data is super important in the GDPR context, that data doesn't get old. We work now regarding confidentiality. What's important is that we keep confidentiality of our customers' data. Because as I mentioned, for some of them, we have two-way communication. We see their customer base. We see some of their sales transactions. We see their conversion rates, etc. And we keep that in very separate spaces. And we also make sure that some of our consultants don't work on competitive projects at the same time. So I would say this is business as usual for us from the professional services environment to keep that in mind. So you mentioned providing some information through an API or you, I'm surprised you didn't use a big buzzword like a data highway or something. But in any case, once you do this, is this information then updated regularly, real time, or they always need to go and download it? How does that work? Is that real time or you may need to look at the report that yes, it's is it dated November or something like this or not? Let's differentiate two things. One, the update of the data in the platform itself, meaning in our product, and that's updated essentially as quickly as the source changes. So some data is updated on a daily basis, job posts, for example. It's very important to track those on a daily basis because they often disappear quickly. Some information is a couple times a week or once a month because the source is only updated once a month for some government registers. In terms of integration with the client systems, it's on an as-needed basis. So 
when you have an API, you can update daily, weekly, monthly, but sometimes it's quite a lot of data. So we set up a service level or we agree with the client how often they want to update the information and it's typically only based on volume and how quickly they need it. But uh, yeah, we have capability for daily updates for sure. Where it adds value, we can do that. All right. Okay. And uh, is your solution easily interoperable? In other words, yes, maybe for proprietors, they might not use some big CRM system from Salesforce, but other companies, they might. So can you connect it and plug it in together or do clients need to print out the reports and then use their CRMs as they normally do? Or can this be integrated? It can be integrated really easily. So we have clients who use Salesforce, as you mentioned, Microsoft Dynamics, Pipedrive, other CRM systems, and uh, the data can be integrated really easily, uh, even without coding. So there's some plugins or using integration tools like Make or Zapier. You can integrate that. What's really cool is uh, iframe integration capability. So you don't have to push all the data into the CRM system just so that it's fresh because sometimes data that changes quite a lot, uh, we display it with an iframe. So it's like uh, part of our application displayed within the CRM of our users. They don't have to switch between two different applications, but it also limits uh, the number of data that is really being updated but yeah this kind of this one-way communication where the crm system pulls data from us or like a data warehouse pulls data from us is very easy to set up what's a bit more effort is a two-way communication we get data back we get the feedback back and we check the status and we recalibrate some of the models together with the client they takes a bit more effort but those are more exceptional cases all right. So you mentioned uh, you're focusing on banks and e-commerce, etc. Do you have any success stories of you working with fintechs or e-commerce? Let me give you one in e-commerce. One of our largest clients is uh, Mall Group here in the right. Central Europe. They've been acquired by Allegro, which is Central European Amazon, I would call them. And they've been a client of ours for the last two years. And we use the data to help their B2B sales team in the marketplace business to bring e-shops into their platform, right? So they need to recruit individual e-shops, individual sellers into the mall marketplace platform. And they use our data to understand the full market, who's selling what, who's successful, who could be the highest potential seller on their platform based on some scoring parameters. That data is also fed into their CRM system. And the whole acquisition process, the merchant acquisition process is driven by data and scoring from BizMachine. I will not go into too much detail. Some of that is a bit confidential how we do that. But essentially, the key element is understanding the full market. So they really appreciate that they don't miss anything. We can be quite sure that no potential issue falls through the cracks, number one. And number two, we rescore those prospects on a regular basis based on the new signals, what kind of products they're selling, are they advertising, is the traffic on their website going up, down, et cetera, et cetera, including company information like their financials, et cetera. And all of that is used regularly in a scoring model to prioritize those sales discussions, essentially. So that's one example in in e-commerce. One of our large clients in financials would be Česká Spořitelna, which is a bank, part of the Erste Group. That's a bit of a different case because there we really opened the data pipe. It's an all-you-can-eat arrangement where 
their internal business information system and CRM systems and marketing campaigns are fed from our data. And there's just so many use cases they can use, especially in the SMB business. Even the individual bankers in the branches would be using our application to understand the client sitting in front of them in the B2B space. That's also a pretty cool case. All right. So what are your plans for the rest of the year? You mentioned that you work with salespeople who work in their local market, but what about you? Are you planning to scale up and maybe go international or what are the next milestones ahead of you this year? We're adding three new countries this year, at least. This will be three new countries in Central Europe. Two of them already decided the third one we're still deliberating. That will help us with growth. So some of the use cases that I mentioned to you are very well scalable internationally, especially in the e-commerce space and IT, ICT space. Second area for growth will be additional product improvements, especially in the lead qualification area, building software tools that help salespeople and teams qualify leads better. And this is a very typical weak point of CRM systems. You know, the CRM systems are really good at the driving process, but not very good at recording decisions about why certain lead was worked on or not. And the whole acting area and qualification area, we think that we can enhance the capability of CRM systems by creating an add-on like that. And the third growth is uh, in understanding even deeper the e-commerce space, retail space, direct-to-consumer and the whole distribution chain. It's a very dynamic area where the e-commerce and traditional retail boundaries are disappearing over time. And there's much more that can be done in terms of data in the platform and providing B2B sales intelligence. All right, so it sounds like three priorities, diving deeper in the verticals where you already are, then expanding your product range, and then going international. All of this this year, yes. Okay, all right. So. Good luck. Now, two easy questions before we go. First of all, do you have any business book or any other resource that you would recommend for further reading that is related to this topic? If people would like to know more about trading data or providing data intelligence when it comes to sales prospecting or anything else that you like, that would be helpful. Not necessarily data trading, but a really great business book for me has been principles from Ray Dalio about how to run a team, how to run organization. So I really recommend that. It's a Bible for for good principles. And as an additional resource, if you're any of the listeners are really interested in sales, hustling, some of the best practices, I recommend Patrick Bed David from Valuetainment. Just check out his YouTube channel, right? Valuetainment and sales. And he has really good practical tips and tricks on how to do sales individually and how to run a sales team. I like that. I get a lot of inspiration from that and think through, okay, how can we actually help such salespeople through data? All right. Wonderful. So thank you for the tips. And what would be the best way for people to get in touch with you or Biz Machine if they would like to find out more and potentially work with you? Feel free to contact me directly on LinkedIn. Just search for Martin Ondas, Biz Machine, contact me there. Alternatively, go to bizmachine.com. There's a website form and just write that you heard the voice of FinTech podcast and you want to talk to me. All right. Wonderful. So thank you so much and good luck to you, Martin and Biz Machine. Rudy, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. 
Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.